This is Brian Reisman. Welcome to Side Jams, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'd like to thank Pantheon sponsor AKG for their support of this podcast. If you like what you hear, please dive into other episodes and subscribe to keep up with the latest ones. Hi, this is Reese Fulber from Frontline Assembly. You're listening to Side Jams with Brian Reisman on the Pantheon Podcast Network. When I first met singer, harpist, and keyboardist Lindsay Schoolcraft, she had been playing for several years with black metal icons Cradle of Filth, with whom she recorded two albums and toured the world. She has since struck out on her own and been exploring the other sides to her musical personality. Her 2019 solo album Martyr explored an evanescence-inspired dark metal sound, while last year's Worlds Away showered us with ethereal harp and vocal compositions. If that wasn't enough, she's working with Antiqua on a chamber music-infused black metal album. Say that five times fast. Their lead single, Funeral Crown, is out now. When she's not juggling her musical duties, Lindsay loves absorbing Japanese anime, manga, and their video game offshoots. For episode 35 of Side Jams, we spoke about those interests along with the revelations that she originally wanted to be a zoologist, and that she is also a certified veterinary assistant. Naturally, I had to engage her in a fun game of random animal trivia. It was great to catch up with Lindsay again for a highly personal and laughter-filled convo at the very end of 2020. Well, thank you for taking the time to chat. Yeah, absolutely. The last time I saw you, well, I met you before the Cradle Show, spring of last year. Oh, it's I been think. a hot minute, yeah. In Long Island? Yeah, yeah. You were before you guys went and did your meet and greet. Or maybe it was after you did the big meet and greet. You have to do the fan thing before. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that tour is such a blur because every day was exactly the same. Really? So, yeah, it was the same like, schedule, same event. It was crazy. I only remember it by the pe- people I met because I barely saw anything. <laughs> Well, that's what happens with you guys when you tour. It's like you mm-hmm. see the backs of venues, you see the tour bus. That's about it. And that's so exciting. Oh, yeah, so exciting. They only knew. <laughs> you know, and it's interesting because you went from Cradle to doing your solo album, which has lots of voice and harp, very ethereal, which I was listening to and enjoying. And then you, oh, you. have this anti- was Antiqua. Yeah, you got it. Even though the U is a V. Yeah, you were one of the first people to actually get that. Really? They, are, what, yeah. they, they People say Antiqua or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? They, and I'm like, what? <laughs> And that's a little bit more atmospheric kind of black metal, I guess, in a certain way, from what with I've heard. Like, yeah, with classical chamber music infused, yeah. This is one song that's out now, but you're going to have the album coming out shortly, I think, right? I'm working, yeah, the first few months of this year, we're trying to finish it up, like writing it, and then we go into production. So nice. probably if we do things right, 2022, we'll see our album. 2022. Oh, mm-hmm. everybody's waiting. They've been seeing all the posts. <laughs> yeah i'd be shocked if it was out next year I, I i don't know miracles can happen you know well the pandemic people are being more creative now i think than they have been in a while if, oh if, if yeah <laughs> oh yeah we are very resourceful now i heard uh, you one of the things we were talking about side jams one of the things you told me that prior to doing music you wanted to be a zoologist yeah that was the big thing really how, how did that come about and then how did the switch happen Oh, it's so weird. Like I was, I was certain ever since I was a wee kid until about 14 that I was, I was going to be a zoologist. Like I was going to be the next Jane Goodall, uh, probably a marine biologist. Um, Yeah. And I, I was a super introverted kid. I didn't have many friends. So I just, I tried to learn everything I could about animals. Like I, it was, it's kind of a sad story because, um, I was really bullied in elementary school and I didn't want to go out during recess. Mm. So I'd sit in the library during recess and I'd just read. And then I outread 
the school library and all the animal books that they had. So then I went to, I lived in Whitby here in, in Ontario, Canada. Okay. And then I went to the Whitby library and then I outread all of their animal books, like had this stuff memorized. And then from there, strangely enough, my babysitter was taking zoology in university and she gave me a university textbook. We're talking 12 years old. And I understood everything that was being talked about in that book, which was really? just unreal. Yeah. So I was definitely like considering going down that path. I found biology fascinating. Um, yeah. So that's why I joke. I'm like, you know, I'm just like a walking encyclopedia of like useless animal facts. Like you give me an animal and I can tell you something about it because it, it's just such a source of knowledge that has just stuck there. And I never did anything with it. Like I've worked in animal care. I am a certified veterinary assistant. Oh, really? That was like my, yeah, my first job out of high school to pay the bills while I was working on music. So yeah, I've got quite a bit of experience in that field, but yeah, 15, I don't know what happened. I thought it was going to be art. And then my high school teacher crushed my dream of doing art, uh, like painting, drawing, you name it. So then from there, I was That's like, cool. okay, oh no, it's just because I don't understand. Like I, I do and I don't understand. I feel like some people become teachers because they can, but they're not there to nurture the mind. They're just there to tell you like what to do and go by like, a university standard to get you ready for it but it's like yeah. art is subjective like art isn't necessarily bad if it invokes an emotion in people then you're doing something decent you know yeah. but like yeah like on some things I've seen that are considered art I'm just like I could have made that out of paper mache and toilet paper like what like you know like uh. it, it so he crushed it pretty quickly I don't think necessarily he's a bad person I just don't think he he knew how to teach. And it's funny because he told mm. some people that there was no money in anime. Like you'll never make it an anime. And I know those people now have gone off to work for like Funimation and they've moved to Japan. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? So never take yeah. no for an answer. Like never, don't ever let anyone tell you that you can't do something because I've seen it. Um, but anyways, it, you know, it was, it was, I was very like, this is what I want to do with like, it was a very narrow window for what I wanted to do for art. I was probably just going to end up as a tattoo artist, honestly. So then, yeah, music happened at 15 and I left, I left it all behind also because uh, my guidance counselor told me they didn't think I was smart enough to do university courses. So they denied me switching from college to university stream in high school. So I was like, well, I guess, wow. Oh yeah. They were harsh. I was raised Roman Catholic. And let me tell you the Catholic school system is harsh like I feel for anyone who went to Catholic school or anyone who's going to a Catholic school they are not nice to their students in any way shape or form like it is such control maybe it's better now maybe as the generations are growing maybe people my age are getting in there and they're being teachers and they're understanding more it's based on life skills and experience versus being like book smart you know but I also understand our school systems are a bit backwards you know there's not enough support but anyways i digress sorry my so. my girlfriend actually got herself <laughs> kicked out of catholic school oh at what age i think it was like like she was 11 or 12 and basically she saw that the teachers were being very harsh in the students and they didn't, hadn't done anything to her but she just concocted some story to just get out of there and she just pushed her parents enough and they got out of there and then when she was adult she's like told her parents yeah that was that was bullshit she just really didn't like it. She just couldn't stand the environment. And it's funny to hear that, but that's how much she really wanted to get out. She went to a normal junior high and high school after that. Yeah, it, it was like, I, I the first time in my life ever 
grade nine, I, I just, I first experienced depression because they were like, this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And you have no choice. And it's just, the, the beliefs are just like, I couldn't, it wasn't even coming from my parents, you know, like it was coming yeah. from the school system. And it was just like, wow, like this is so ass backwards. So I guess what happened was is through all of that, like my dreams of being a zoologist crushed, my dreams of being a visual artist crushed. It was like, all right, I'm going to go to music. And surprisingly, I had a pretty cool teacher, you know, continued down to be the only thing I could do close to, you know, taking care and loving animals was the veterinary assistant position uh, position because it was a college thing. Okay. You know, so I was like, okay, I'll go down this path. I'll get this like to be my backup. And while I'm working on music. So that's where the switch happened. But to this day, like, I mean, I still like I'm right here with my cat. Like I, I still rescue animals. All my friends come to me for animal health care. Like they call me before they call the vet. <laughs> what was the last animal that you rescued? <laughs> His name's Bagheera. He's a 11-year-old Bombay cat. So he's half black cat, half Burmese. This is your cat. Is, yeah, which is like a Siamese breed. And he's never bit me. He's never scratched me. He is the most docile, sweetest, like, he's like a Labrador retriever stuck in a cat's body. It's really my, my girlfriend, Susan, her cat is the same way. She's a cat named Mia. Oh. And she, we, she adopted her from a, a shelter out here. And, I mean, she was found on the street at 10 months pregnant. Oh, and uh, a, a trapper found her. And then she was fostered for four or five months. And then she'll she's aware that she could scratch you or bite you and she doesn't ever purposely do it and not every cat's like that mm, yeah so it sounds like your cat's the same you always have these cute pictures of you and your cat yeah he's great he's just a ball of love he's a little old man um yeah so just taking care of him um but yeah i know it's it's adopting elderly animals is very rewarding it's tough because they're not with you as long as like my first cat was with me for almost 20 years yeah. That was heartbreaking. Like letting him go. It was like, oh my God, he's been with me since I was 11. Like he's been there since I started doing music. You know, that's, that's a big part of your your time on this planet. Um, I've saved like more than half of my life. But yeah, like he's, my last one only lived a year and I'm hoping Bagheera lives a little bit longer. He's oh. so like, he's so lovely. Have you ever had anybody call you up to help you rescue an animal? Not for you, but for to take it to a shelter. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've had friends call me like, oh, I found this pigeon. It's got a broken wing. Oh, I found this squirrel, broken leg. Like everyone calls me first. And I'm just like, okay, so you call these people, you drop off here. <laughs> yeah, I'm like the go-to. <laughs> like, what do I do? <laughs> so so what, was, what was the zoology thing? You just loved animals? And you, you instinctively understood what was being written in those books? Yeah, it was a lot of science and understanding. I think the most fascinating thing was the taxonomy system in which that they used Latin words to classify everything, which tracked okay. evolution, like the evolution of animals, I found fascinating. Um, you know, like how we we all kind of came from like this one little weasel, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> how many thousands of years ago. Uh, but I think the other draw towards animals is because being a kid who was a little bit different, like introverted, yeah. had dyslexia, had a speech, and I was bullied. I think I gravitated towards animals because there was no judgment, you know, either than, of course, like a tiger who's hungry. They're just very loving and like non-judgmental, easy to work with, easy to be around. Um, yep. And we can do a lot to help them and make their lives easier. So I think that was just because I didn't like people. I'm like, I don't like people. I don't like society. Like, I just, you know thinking, oh, I'll go down a career path where I don't have to work with people. But 
the great lie is you will always be working with people. Oh, even as a veterinarian, you got to deal with the owners. <laughs> yes. And you have to deal with idiot owners that come in probably who don't know how to take care of animals and then don't follow your freaking advice. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or you have a staff or like, it's just, you know, like, I mean, I have worked at some incredible veterinary clinics where it's like, you are a team, like you are all a cog in a big machine and you all have to work together to save these animals' lives. Um, sometimes it's limited, sometimes it's long care, but like I've seen like where people genuinely, they don't get paid much, but they love animals. And then I've seen the other end of it where there's like veterinary clinics where it's all about the money. They couldn't care less about the animals. I left those gigs pretty quickly. I was like, yeah. I can't, I can't do this. Yeah, it goes against the morals, so. So you said I, if I asked you about an animal, you could say something about it. So I'm trying Yeah, to let's I... try this, let's try this. I like sloths because I'm kind of okay. Sloths. So <laughs> I know like the sloth is one actually that I didn't really, f- I, I studied more carnivores and birds of prey. So, okay, let me see a sloth. I know for a fact that they have an extremely slow heartbeat and what else? So that explains the slow motions also. Yeah. Though. Like they have extremely slow heartbeat they can sleep hanging from the tree. Like they just like, they just hold on and they can fall asleep, which is pretty cool. Hmm. And what else can they do? There was one other thing, something they can swim. Like, believe it or not, they can, they're actually pretty decent swimmers, even though they're super slow about yeah, it. How like, does that work exactly? <laughs> I've seen drowning. video of it. Like they, they're just like, okay, here we go. And you know, cause their breathing is slow too. So then they just inhale a bunch of air to stay buoyant and they slowly like I mean I've seen it pretty tragically like they get taken downstream and then they're just like holding on to a rock for dear life um, <laughs> but yeah oh, wow. it's, they're they're really funny like they'll try to cross the street and people will have to stop and pick them up and put them on the other side of the road like they're just really they're really funny they're but very very gentle I don't think I don't think they're fast enough to be aggressive like I've held one and they're just they look like they're always smiling, super gentle. What about a gazelle? What kind of gazelle? Are we talking uh, about a springbok, African gazelle? Oh, is this like the African-European swallow joke from Monty Python and the Holy Grail? No, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Do you say African gazelle? Was that? Yeah. Okay, let's go with that one. Um, in their family, they have like smaller antlers than most. It's a small spiral antler. Um, their markings are really fascinating. I'm thinking of the one with the tan back, the black strike, and then the the white belly, right? Um, they are they are one of the fastest land animals, but not not as fast as the cheetah, which I think is funny because I feel like cheetah hunt them the most just to get a kick out of running faster than them, even though I'm pretty sure they are the second fastest land animal. But yeah, they just oh god, and they have a horrible like. They, they bat like a goat or a sheep and it's just it's not fun to listen to um but yeah they it's pretty it's pretty cool because they live mostly in the savanna so the tan like helps them hide in the grass it's pretty cool like they i i don't know what the the black streak does evolutionary i don't know what that has done for them maybe with their movement i have okay. no idea no idea and then lastly because i mean i see them on the commercials all the time emus <laughs> oh emus Okay, so emus are from Australia. I did not know that. They are so aggressive. So aggressive. Um, So they're a cousin to the ostrich. But the fascinating thing about Australia is Australia kind of broke off and didn't evolve as quickly as everything else. 
So everything mm. in Australia, marsupials and their birds are extremely ancient and extremely unique. And the cool thing about the emu is if you ever go and look at its feathers, it's kind of like a weird down, like almost like their feathers are not like most birds. Like if you look at an ostrich, it's got your typical plumage where it's like you have, you know, a, like a goose looking feather, you know, like yeah, yeah. most in the animal kingdom. But um, the emu has like these almost like a willow tree strand, like these really it's a weird down and okay. it's meant for the deserts. Like it keeps them it keeps them cool. It's really interesting. But yeah, they they are the second biggest survivor because I'd say over 100 years ago, there was the elephant bird, which a few people when they first sent all the convicts to Australia, um, they they saw some of the elephant birds. They're twice as tall as man. Like they, they were like up to 12 feet tall, like. Wow. And they were dying out at the time because, you know, tall. Yeah. Like 12 feet tall. So the emu is the second, the second largest living cousin to that bird. But yeah, their egg was massive. The eggs were like probably like a foot long, like they were, or or more, it was insane. But yeah, um, they, they never got to the elephant birds because they died out so quickly. They couldn't study them. The only thing that's really left living is like a large egg in a few museums that they like glued back together. Yeah, sorry, I could rant on forever. No, have you performed in Australia? Yes, many times, many, many times. I've been there. It's I want to say I've been there four times now, but I could be wrong. Maybe it's only three. So the harp started for you at age 15. No, harp started at 24. What did you start with first then? Uh, bass guitar and singing. Interesting. So you, yeah, did rock, a- you did rock stuff and then you suddenly discovered the joys of harp and classical music? Yeah, I started in punk. It was really weird. Uh, started in punk, was in an all-girl punk band, very similar to Jack Off Jill. Cool. Then went to alternative, then started studying classical at 21 because I get bored really quickly if you can't tell. <laughs> oh, no, believe me, I'm very ADD. I have these conversations and I and I go off on these tangents. Like People are like, how did you get to that point? I'm like, I don't know. In my head, it seemed to work. Like, you know, it, it goes from like talking about, you know, animals to what I was having for dinner last week. It was like, I guess, or carnivores makes sense, but like just random things come. And I'm sure you've had this, like when you get easily bored, you start to flip. It's like you're flipping channels in your head. Free association. Yeah. yeah. And, and for you, it's completely normal. And everyone else is like, what do you, you know, a friend of mine's like, yeah, I, I speak Reisman. I get it. I understand why you made that leap, but other people just aren't going to get it. So, wait, so you get to classical music and then the cradle thing was interesting because I don't think you expected that to come along. That was completely no, that off, was a- off the wall. Like, I was not expecting that call. It was like... And you hadn't done black metal before either, had you? No, I've been listening to it. Like, at the time, one of my... To this day, one of my favorite bands is Demu Borgir. And... Selenos yesterday, yeah, for this podcast. Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> you guys he's, he's be a bumping cool up against dude. Each other. That's awesome. He's such a cool dude. And he's what a great. cool band. Yeah, so I was, like, super into symphonic black metal. And then I got the call and... I quit university. It was just, I was going to university for classical music and I was like, who can wait cradle once in a lifetime, you know? Yeah, no, it's interesting. I remember when we were chatting, so you're talking about classical music backstage. I think I was asking about your favorite classical composers and you were probably surprised because people are like, usually, yeah, usually people don't ask. Yes. I appreciate it. Well, no, well, I mean, I listen to a lot of different types of stuff. That's what I, that's why I like certain bands. I appreciate the black metal stuff going more symphonic and the fact that antique was doing the same thing there. You're kind of mixing different elements together. Mm-hmm. I think Isan from Emperor has done a lot of stuff where it's kind of gone like Picatum. It's gone off in these different ethereal sort of tangents. It's not all just crazy aggressive emperor kind of stuff yes <laughs> but it has to do that otherwise people mm-hmm. get uh, the fa- i know fans want the same thing what's interesting is your solo record 
does go in a different direction. I'm like, oh, this is mellow. But I'm like, yeah, well, it kind of makes sense, actually, you know. And then it's cool because you'll go to something else. And I'm sure you'll do some other wacky, you know, crazy pop dance record later on. People are like, what? Probably a trip hop record. Yeah, yeah. I can see that (laughs) in my 40s, like a a smooth lounge trip hop. Yeah. Well, your solo record last year was, uh, was it last year? It was last year because we did it it with your billboard. And that that was more a bit of more of an evanescence influence kind of sound because I know you're a big fan so you were talking about animals and then I think it makes me think of the fact that you, you know, obviously you love anime and you're mentioning yes. Pokemon and there's a whole bunch of different, I mean, Pokemon's very specifically, exo- <laughs> those are exotic animals, so to speak. Yeah. In another and, world. And you were talking about wanting to be an artist. So did you want to specifically be an anime and, and manga, manga artist when you were in high school? Is that what was what you were trying to do with art or is that just something? Yeah. Like, I don't think I had a direction. I mean, anime could have been a possibility. Like, if I, and it's, it's crazy because we don't, we can't see the future. Like we, no. you know, and in hindsight, if I would have known it was going to be what it was going to be, because Pokemon is still going strong, you know, you sometimes. It's amazing. You, yeah. It, it's just like, I still play the video games in my downtime. If I would have known that it was going to become the franchise that it was and carried on, I would have absolutely learned Japanese, gotten the animation and went and worked on the films with them in Japan. Like I'd be in Japan, but. But then these are high school classmates you mentioned are working in anime. These people you went to high school with. Yeah, people will actually. One person I know, yes, but not as high ranked up. But someone who went to school in Markham is very high ranked up now. With uh, oh my god, I can't remember the name of the studio. But anyways, Studio Ghibli is that the no, I, Miyazaki? They wish. they wish and I wish. No, <laughs> it's a different. Is it one. Ghibli or Ghibli? I always forget. I think it's Ghibli. Yeah, but I I could be wrong too. <laughs> but just like met in passing, I I haven't spoken to and like. 20 years but i know that's where they ended up yeah i have a i have a high school classmate who used to help me with my student video productions and she ended up getting a job at ilm wow and i don't know if she's still there but she was there for at least at least a decade she might still be there actually as you know digital compositor and she and i it's it's just fascinating i mean the whole pokemon anime thing i remember when i i was running for request magazine over 15 years ago and i started covering anime and manga because they needed some of that coverage and it was interesting to watch all the shows the stuff that i like tended to be like the vampire shows or like the darker kind of gothic apocalyptic stuff. So I watched like Dragon Ball and Pokemon and stuff. It didn't quite resonate with me the same way. But I'm curious as you get older, because like I read comic books. And obviously comic books have evolved in a lot of different ways. And people go, some people yeah. think, oh, you're like a big kid. I'm like, well, yes, but not all comic books are for kids. I'm curious what the Pokemon thing, what kind of reactions people give you now being an adult who loves Pokemon. And how you've seen that whole franchise and universe evolve. Yeah, I mean, anyone who went to elementary school would like not be surprised. They'd be like, oh, shocking. Um, but people don't really seem to care. Like a lot of my fans are like, that's cool. Like we all, you know, my fans are like, or friends and family are like, I like Lord of the Rings or I like Harry Potter or I like Star Wars. And I'm like, I like Pokemon. You know, I can't keep up with the generations. There's over a thousand of them now. And I'm like, I'm OG. Like 150 was enough. A thousand generations of characters. Like a thousand Pokemon now, from what I understand. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's like, it's the last time I checked, it was like, teetering on 800 it's ridiculous you know but the you can't beat the ogs like you can't you can't beat the classic but yeah like no one's shocked by it like when i got last year i got a game boy like a ds2 mm-hmm. and i had the newest version and i'm like we, we had a snowstorm we were we snowed in for three days and my roommate comes down and he's like are you okay i'm like playing the newest pokemon i feel great you know <laughs> what still fascinates you about it now as an adult I think there's, it's just exciting. Like I'm going on an adventure and I can build my own team and like, 
you know, they're going to grow and learn stuff and evolve. I think that's like, it's like really rewarding. It's really fun. I mean, they've kind of gone off the deep end. There was one generation when there was just too many games within the game. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, why can't we just keep it basic? But that's the thing I think we're, and this is just my own opinion. I think where the franchise failed is they just kept every year continuing to cater to children when they should have grown with people my age like they should offer something to adults too because there's still so many adults that play the game and are interested in it it's interesting actually because you think it's like a kid's thing but then it's like you know i'm in touch with my inner child you know i still collect toys like i have my you know here's my chief blue meanie from yellow submarine oh my gosh i love that that is classic i mean i have a lot of i mean i have a lot of godzilla toys people have given me i've got simpson stuff What's that cliche? We don't stop playing because we get old. We get old because we stop playing. That's kind true. Of, I love that. It's been said before, but you can find a balance there too. I don't. I don't like it when people get so "quote unquote" adult and serious. So now, as far as I mean, like Pokemon. What like what other anime and, and manga stuff do you like? Oh wow! So it was weird. I, I around this time when music showed up. This is something I really haven't told a lot of people. I was like, oh, I'll put this in an inspirational YouTube video one day. Eh. Um, <laughs> too busy recording too much music over here, but. What happened was is I used to be really into anime uh, around the time of Pokemon. So it's like Sailor Moon. This is yeah. like, you know, grade eight going in grade nine. So Sailor Moon, Card Captors, which I just rewatched and I loved it, like loved it. And there was a few other ones at the time, Escaflone and Inuasha. And, you know, oh, it, was yeah, something, yeah, yeah. it was yeah. something cool to do when I was in high school. But then the minute I realized I want music to be my career, like this is going to be the rest of my life and I have to you're successful where you put your time, like managing your time. Like, you know, so I was like, okay, like instead of sitting around watching anime, I got to start playing my instrument and practicing. So I gave up anime entirely. Like I just let it go. And the only thing that I actually checked in on was um, in 2006, an anime called Ergo Proxy came out and a friend of mine recommended it. They're like, oh, it's super like cyberpunk, sci-fi, futuristic. Like you're going to love it. And I did. And it was the only one that I checked in on, watched, and I was like, cool. And then kept going, you know, like there's no time. So then it was my partner. We've been dating over three years now. Okay. And we actually connected based on that because he loves anime, manga. He's taught me how to play Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh my gosh, my brain is so sore from lo- like that card game is next level. I remember I'd that rather show. be playing magic. <laughs> yeah, it's gotten it's gotten very advanced, but he really likes it because he's like, there's so many combos and He's one of those nerds who's looking for the next combo to tell the whole world to be like, this deck's broken. He's he's adorable and hilarious. Um, So we <laughs> bonded good. over, like he found out that I liked Ergo Proxy and he likes really weird anime too. So then he showed me like Evangelion. Um, That's a great all, series. Like, all the classics. Cowboy Bebop, yeah. I love. Yes. Still love. Yes. Did you ever see Helsing, the vampire series? Mr. Big did the theme song, had a song in Which there. Which one are you talking about? Because I've been watching, no, I'm thinking I just caught up with Castlevania. Um, I never watched that. That's a Netflix thing though, right? Yeah, it is. It's yeah, pretty I okay. Seen that yet. You have to play, you had to play the video game to understand season one or else you're like, what the heck is going on? Uh, you know, specialty it's nostalgic. Audience. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's very nostalgic. So, but no, I didn't, I haven't watched Helsing yet, but what else did we watch? Oh my gosh. Uh, Trigun. Um, We've watched, like, he's just opened my eyes to, like, all the classics. Uh, the ones next to Serial Experiments Lane, that's the one I need. But, yeah, we go we go deep down the rabbit hole. And it's been great. I love it. Like, it's something to do, especially during the pandemic. Like, we can't go out and do anything anymore. Might as well just watch anime, you know, make dinner, watch anime, hang out. Like, it's like being in high school again. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you know, it's funny. I was uh, I was thinking this one show I really liked was called, it was Great Teacher Onizuka. Okay. And it's about this guy who's was, I think might have even been a high school dropout, and he like he gets a teaching gig. I think he could have gone into gangs. He ends up it's kind of a delinquent. He gets this job, and like he likes the hot high school girls, but then he starts becoming like a responsible guy by teaching oh. these kids that are kind of like him when he was yeah. growing up. I found that series kind of charming because it's a bit over the top, but it's like he grew to like this guy because he actually he evolves. There was a whole bunch of them. I mean, I, I have to go back. I should have gone in the other room and, and looked. Yeah, manga is interesting, too, because I remember when it got big in the States around 2003, I think, 2003, yes. 2004. And it was like right Barnes now. & Noble had an even bigger manga section than it does now. And it was interesting. You had to read it backwards, you know, and, and yeah, people had that to get used to that. Yeah, that was a loop. Like, that threw me for a loop. Yeah, because I, I used to work at Starbucks. Uh, I worked there for, like, six months at the mall inside of a, a Chapters, which is yeah. now Indigo. I remember Indigo, of a yeah. Yeah, and on my breaks, I would read manga. I'd just sit there and have a coffee and read manga on my break. It was amazing. It was the best part of working at a bookstore. Yeah, but it, it's <laughs> it's huge now. Like, I went, actually, last night, because we're about to go in lockdown again, and uh, me and my partner went Christmas shopping, and the business section was like I, I love business books. So I was like, went into business and I'm like, oh my gosh, it was only like maybe three and a half. And then you go to manga and it's five full shelves of manga. Yeah. And yeah, I'm yeah. like, holy Jesus. I couldn't believe it. Of course he walked out with a, a bunch and I was just like, I'm walking out with like rich dad, poor dad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's a five year uh, gap between us. It's very prominent. So. <laughs> oh no, five, five, five years is almost like a generation of pop culture. It is. I dated somebody five years younger than me, like 20 years ago and i noticed that like we both like black metal we both like goth yeah. but like our references were just slightly different so we taught each other things and it's, it's like only five years but that's what it's goes huge. on now it's a whole it's a whole other decade uh, sorry a whole other high school experience because you know he it, yeah. was listening to and junior high <laughs> Combined. yeah yeah like my i i was in high school in the new metal era and then he was the era after that, which was like Lamb of God and whatever that was. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's it's different. The only thing, you know, the only thing we could really agree upon at first was like The Simpsons, because The Simpsons is like timeless classic. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm yeah. like, thank God you're as well versed in The Simpsons as I am. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so I was going to say anime and manga. Am I getting this wrong? Is it like, or do people have different pronunciations of this? I think it's exactly what you're saying. We in Canada say anime, but if we could Most be people wrong, here cause... do too. But some people do. Yeah. Like I hear different. Some people is like, oh, he's being pretentious. Um, ah. And then, of course, the classic Disney is connected to anime because of uh, the Miyazaki connection to Disney. Yes. He's considered like the Disney of Japan. Although, you know, I don't know if he thinks that's a compliment or not. But well, you know, uh, funny story. <laughs> My, I think the first anime movie my sister watched was uh my friend totoro which yeah. i finally just watched last night i know i'm just like what is wrong with me she was the first one she watched and she texts me she's like oh my gosh ghibli is an art form they put disney to shame and i'm like yeah yeah they do but you're right it, it's i know who you're talking about i think he came when he came out of retirement for mary and the witch flower was that it I can't remember what, yeah, just, yeah. I, I have to catch up on some of the recent stuff. I mean, uh, God, there's so, there's so much stuff. I mean, I, I, I remember seeing Spirited Away in the theater and then, mm-hmm. uh, what were the ones after that? There's a whole bunch. Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah, that's Cat great. Cat Returns. Cat Returns is hilarious. So cute. So cute. Yeah, it was a good one. Um, but yeah, I didn't know this. So one of my favorite movies ever, I wore out the VHS as a little girl, is The, the Last Unicorn. Um, mm. the, the animated one. Uh, that was and the 80s, wasn't it? 
Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm an 80s kid. My and, childhood. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this, but the studio, they outsourced the studio in Japan to do The Last Unicorn. And then that staff is what became Studio Ghibli. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that was like, well, that makes sense. Because when you go look at The Last Unicorn, it's very Art Nouveau, but you can see the beginnings of Ghibli in it. It's beautiful. What classic Disney stuff do you love? I'm assuming Fantasia's in there somewhere. Like all of it? Yeah, Fantasia's one I need to rewatch because I watched it a lot as a kid. And now I like don't fully remember it. It's one of those ones that like I haven't revisited in so long. But like my favorite movie ever is The Lion King. I refuse mm-hmm. to see the real the CGI one. Like I've not seen it. I refuse. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel I like can't the stand anim- doing that. Yeah, the, the animated one is such a classic and they didn't bring back Jeremy Irons and like that's that's it. Scar, you know, like what? Like I was just blown away. I was like, I can't believe this. Blown away, not a good way. Flabbergasted, you know, big words. Um, but no, like I'd say, like Beauty and the Beast was a big one. Sleeping Beauty. Like if we're gonna talk princesses, The Little Mermaid. Oh yeah, there's even like Oliver and Company was cute. Like there's just so many good classic Disney films out there. Like I think it has to do with being in North America and the franchise and growing up with it in its glory years in the early '90s. There's so much nostalgia around. Then for some people, classic Disney is like the '50s. That's true. Yeah, and I didn't realize it. Like I had no idea. Like it's like your classic Disney, The Jungle Book, and like all. And Snow White was like made so far back. Like I couldn't believe it. Even 101 Dalmatians because they remarketed it in the early '90s. Like it was something new, which I think was extremely smart marketing. You didn't know the difference as a kid, then, is what you're saying? No, no, not at all. They just like, brought it back to theaters. You could watch it with your kids. Like, my parents didn't say anything. They're just like, yeah, sure. Like, we'll buy it on VHS and buy you a stuffed dog for Christmas. And <laughs> so, have you collected any of the merchandise for any of the Japanese stuff or like, the anime, anime, or um, I have probably Disney? for Ergo Proxy, I probably have almost everything. Um, it's due to having wow. super awesome fans who've lived in Japan getting me like all the DVDs in Japanese, all the DVDs in English, exclusive merch, posters, like merch that the studio that did Ergo Proxy went out of business soon after it was like their final thing. And then they were like, all right, we're done. So you can't really get the official merch anymore, but yeah, that's, that's a big one. I actually just, I have an Ergo Proxy bathroom now. I'm just waiting for a few more items to show up, but my bathroom is Ergo Proxy. I painted it blue like uh, the main character's eyeshadow color. That just shows my nerdiness. That's about all I've collected. I've collected a lot of Lion King stuff. My, my biggest collection, my rainy day fund, and we've found out recently, I have a massive Tupperware bin in storage here under the nook of the stairs. And I probably have somewhere between three to $5,000 worth of Pokemon paraphernalia. And that's my, that's my rainy day fund. That's when like, okay, shit super hit the fan. We need to sell the Pokemon stuff. some of it's on display but the rest of it like it's in mint condition and i hope i never have to sell it but there might come a time when it's like oh you need an extra 5k to put a down payment on the house i'm like okay goodbye pokemon (laughs) wow yeah i I have i all the cool comics i have like the ones that are are worth money it's like yeah but i don't want to get rid of them and that's that's the hard part yeah definitely i'm trying to pare stuff down at some points i mean i'd like to rent the house my girlfriend and I rented a house and it's going to be like, we're going to have more room for stuff. But then it's like, that's the thing I'm realizing I have to start purging and I'm not buying as much stuff during the pandemic. I mean, I don't go to comic book stores very often. Right. I'm not ordering as much stuff because I want to catch up on everything. But because of my job, I'm really not catching up. I'm, I have to catch up right. on what I need to catch up on. 
yeah, I hear that. I know I, I've like barely purchased anything. Of course, you want to support like some friends who are putting out a new I album. I bought some music through Bandcamp and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, but that's the thing. It's like now I think bands need to up it a little bit because it's like if you want them, if you want bands to buy your album physically, it better be something really special, like a limited edition print book or something. Well, you have a lot of cool merch, and your fans seem to gobble it up. Yeah, I'm, I've been really blessed. Really, like I just think of what I'd want to see from my favorite artists, and then just do that because you you want to create an experience. You don't just want to. You have to like one up it. You know, like you have to level up these days. If we're gonna get nerdy and just like bring it to the next level if you want to do something as musicians we really have to up the level that's all i have to really say is like if if you really care about putting out an album like add a little bit more it can't just be a cd that's my opinion <laughs> well also and you also like you're on your t-shirts and stuff and these prints that you've made it, you have it's like yourself as an animated character yes that was that came about uh anastasia salty from russia yeah, she was the one who really? brought that to me. And I was just like, let's do it. Because I don't see anyone in metal doing that. So it stood out. It really, it stood out. And people really like the merch. And there's like a piece of artwork for each song. It's really awesome. No, it's cool. It's cool that you have all that, that stuff connected together. Everyone talks about branding now. Right. Um, and you're, you're, but you're creating your own brand. You're creating like as identity through the artwork, which is kind of, it's old school. That's what people did. Back when I was a kid, like, you know, you had right. the, you had the album and you had the T-shirt and the pin and you had the poster and those videos. And it seems like that I guess that's still a very metal thing. I, mean, I know other artists yes. outside of metal do that, but metal is very specific. It's very specific to this genre of music. People like to have that added experience. Yeah, like a little community, like the Kiss Army or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the, what the, what the Lindsay Schoolcraft thing is. I'm not sure. what. Oh, they're call called it. Schoolcraftians. Like we haven't we haven't made it official official yet, but we're getting there slowly. Hopefully, probably going to focus more on that next year. So, not saying people have to have a paid membership or anything, but just make them feel like they're part of something. That's cool. Yeah. So now it's five o'clock, and you have to like you have to do the Antiqua vinyl is showing up at my doorstep. I gotta get my butt out here. I know I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm probably gonna cry because it's the first time I've held a physical item in my hand from Antiqua. I'm already like so excited it hurts like I could I'm just bursting from the chest right now that's awesome <laughs> yeah it's good it's well good exciting. luck with that thank you <laughs> that wraps up this latest episode of Side Jams please join me for the next installment which will feature Reese Fulber from Frontline Assembly the tunes used in this episode are from Fox and the Law and I licensed them through AudioSocket thank you very much for listening It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.